in aesthetic medicine, there there are people who've really struggled and made a lot of you know broken out of just traditional medicine and become successful. And so, as physician entrepreneurs, we we kind of uh, are different from the rest of the world. But uh, you know, you are an entrepreneur in your own right um, because of your success in 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 health and wellness. Sure. I mean, how many studios do you have? So we are actually opening our 14th studio in Glenville, New York, uh, right outside Schenectady, New York, yeah. on Monday. So we have 14. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, when did you? Because I remember now back when you first started. Right. You're uh, down. When you were by down by the. Um, Got in Manans. Uh, yes, yeah. Manans, and and my wife would work out there, and she'd say, "You've yeah. got to come down." And there were six or seven or eight women. You had guys <laughs> waits around the parking lot. Yep, and yep. Um, and how many years ago was that? So I opened that facility. It's crazy because I was talking to my brother about this. He's uh, he's a uh, he he ended up going on to law school, but he helped me open that first studio, that first gym we had in two thousand and eight. So it was fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago. That's yeah. about. I was just I was talking to my wife on the way home in the car, and I was like, "How many years ago was that?" Because I I remember, and you know. Um, Back then, it was called metabolic meltdown. Right, correct. Yes. So, what what was your thinking back then, and like, how did you come up with the name? And what did, what was your vision for? Yeah, so what you're doing now is extraordinary. It's, it's yeah, a very well, different business model. But anyway, go ahead. Tell me. Thank about you. It. I appreciate that, Ed. So, yeah. So, I'll be completely can candid. I had a two parts to that to that facility. I had two little rooms. They reached about a thousand square feet, as you remember. You, I you remember there. And they were small. And like you said, there was a truck driving school and there'd be truck drivers smoking cigarettes right outside. <laughs> and I would have the, the women run laps around the building, not because I loved running laps around the building, but I was just trying to free up space in the room. And that's why I would do that at that time. But I trained, uh, I was fortunate enough through my connections at Siena, which we just referenced, to train a man named John Murray, who was a big mentor to me at the time. Of course I know John. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know John well. Uh, very successful businessman himself, um, you know, long time career in the insurance industry. But John took me out to, uh, to breakfast one day and said, Hey, my son is playing for LaSalle. And to back up a little bit, I had trained his sons when they were little, they were probably 12, 14 years old. I had privately trained them when I was the strength coach at Siena just to make a little extra money. And John was always great to me. He always took care of me. So I moved to Washington DC for a year after I was at Siena. But when I came back to the area to open my own business, John took me out to breakfast. I, I'll never forget. We went to the Denny's in East Greenbush, and he—he's. Uh, er, I'm sorry, the Cracker Barrel in East Greenbush, and he set me I up. Had, with, I've had breakfast with him. There. I'm sure you have right there. That's his spot. Um, he set me up with the whole team. Like he's such a great guy. He set me up with the whole team. So I trained the whole LaSalle football team, yeah. and their moms started asking me if I would train them. The mothers of the kids on the team. So I was like, sure, I'll train you guys. And you know, at the time, I'm in my late 20s. I'm a, I'm kind of a meathead into the bodybuilding type stuff. And I, I didn't take it that seriously. I'll be honest. Like I, I put them through the circuits, uh, ladders, jump rope, all that stuff. But I called it, I had to think of a name. So I called it metabolic meltdown. And that was really the genesis of it all. That's how it all started. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seemed like after you moved out of there, things really just took off with your, you know, and so your business model back then was pretty much, you know, uh, athletic training and, 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 you know, fitness, basic, some fitness for, for a lot of the women. Right. How would you describe your business model now? Yeah. So my, my business philosophy, I always call it pizza sushi. That's what I say to people. And they're like, what? That, <laughs> I say, let me explain. You either make the best pizza or you make the best sushi. 
if you try and sell both, you're, you're going to drown, you're going to die. And, and that's, I learned that lesson a long time ago. I had a, I was fortunate enough. I had a lot of um, successful men like yourself who worked out with me at the gym and I personal trained and they would always give me little nuggets, little tidbits of business advice back then. And I soaked it all in. I listened to it as much as I could. I think I got more value than they even realized at the time. And I remember this one, this one gentleman, Ned, Ned Berkowitz. And he said to me, he's like, why are you training me? Why don't you train? Just go over there and focus on those adults, get men in there, get women in there. Just do it. Just do it. Just commit to it. And it took me about a year to finally listen to him. And I did, but Basically, it turned into what my philosophy is now. It's, it's group strength training at a, at a pace. So basically, you're getting stronger. You're building lean muscle. Um, but strength training is the primary focus. And in doing so, it's safe. It's effective. It's efficient. It's 45 minutes. For people like you, Ed, you don't have time to make these decisions. Every, you make a lot of decisions during your day. It's just one less decision you have to make when you come into our studio and we kind of make that decision for you, what workout, what you're going to do, the weights you can use, things like that. So um, that's all we do. We don't do anything else. That singular program is all we do. We've been able to fine tune it, to master it and to deliver it in a scalable fashion. I mean, I didn't see it going. That's, not easy. that's no, not easy. no, it's, it's, it's very tough. So and, uh, I remember yeah. not even so long ago, and I don't know if you still do it. You would, you would, you would design or devise the workout for the day every single day. Yeah. Back then, uh, it's a lot more intricate now. Yeah. Back then, Ed, at 4.30, at 4 a.m., I would drive into work and I would think about the workout in my brain. I've always been quick on my feet like that. So I would just think of the workout in my brain and I would write it on the board at 4.40 a.m. The women would start walking in 10 minutes later and away we would go. <laughs> and I did that every day for, for a couple of years. Um, but now I have a couple of very talented young men under me, uh, Tim O'Connor and who I referenced earlier and Pat DeVoe. And the three of us come up with the workouts together. But really, I'm mentoring and trying to teach them how to create the workouts um, mm -hmm. so we can continue to scale. And they, they've caught on quick and they've done a phenomenal job. They really have. So in the in the Green Island studio that you have, I mean, on a, on a typical class, which they're yeah. about. Whether about fifty minutes or something, or they're yeah, yeah, like forty five. We 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 marketed it as forty five minutes. They're never shorter. Some of them do go a little closer to fifty minutes, but yeah, yep. somewhere in there. How many people are typically there in a in a session? Yeah, so in in our green in most of our studios, we have thirty six people per class, yeah, and a lot of people. Yeah, and back in the day, though, it was a lot more. <laughs> but COVID, one of the things that COVID did do for us, I always. I'm an optimistic person, and I think you kind of have to be to be a successful entrepreneur. Right. If you're pessimistic, it's just going to be yeah. tough for you. Yeah. But I, one of the things I took from COVID was it forced us to streamline our business model, our processes, our procedures, our organization. So now we have stickers where everyone goes. We have a preset number of spots per class. It's some, we have uh, three studios, Delmar, Clifton Park, and what's the other one? Saratoga. That, that have 42 people in a class. And mm -hmm. we always have two coaches at those classes. But uh, most of our studios have 36. But yeah, it, it is a lot. And that's, that's the blue part of your flame. I mean, those strength group strength training, which obviously, I mean, that's what differentiates you. It is, absolutely. And it's, it's very hard to execute in a group setting. And when I, back, back I when disagree. I disagree. Yeah, back when I was the strength coach at Siena, as a young kid, 23, 24 years old, barely older than the kids uh, that were I was training, I quickly figured out how to effectively train large groups in an organized fashion. 
And over the years, I've learned how to take what I knew then and apply it today to mm -hmm. groups now where we can provide modifications, regressions, progressions. And a lot of people mess up because uh, to be honest, like a lot of people use barbells in group settings and, and, and fancy pieces of equipment that could be a little dangerous at times, uh, if not closely monitored. And we really go more towards body weight movements, um, TRX suspension training, band work, dumbbells, kettlebells, things that are a lot safer and can be learned a lot more easily by the clients, which has been instrumental to our growth. I, I mean, I think that's been a lot of your success, as you know, without getting into, you know, other things that are out there. Right. There are a lot of um, things that have not been systematized, people who don't have the training education that are injured. And that doesn't do that doesn't bode well for your business. It also doesn't bode well for you know longevity as far as right. keeping people coming back, right? Yeah. With, with injuries. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, injuries, I always tell people too, and I always am a little bit defensive of, of other fitness businesses, right? Because I don't think there's a single fitness business. People, you're training hundreds and thousands of people every single day. You do your very best to keep people safe, but people um, at times can use improper technique in any facility and get hurt, of course. but they're going to do that whether or not we monitor them. So in my mind, like we're helping people every single day train more safely than they would on their own. And that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it wasn't like you had this epiphany one day. You just, it just kind of evolved into that business model. You, oh, it, was, it was what you knew, right? It was not, your Not at all. When I, I took a loan out from my grandfather, he was a, a $25,000 loan. It's probably his whole life savings, to be honest with you. He was a World War II veteran, 43 missions in the Pacific Ocean. He was a nose gunner in World War II. And he was a bank inspector his whole life. And he was a survivor of the Great Depression. And <laughs> he was, I'm sure you can relate to some of these stories. I mean, he tracked, he's a man that walked with his head down his whole life because he would pick up coins on the ground and he kept a journal counting how much money every, he'd show me his book when I was a kid. He'd be like, 1984 was a good year. I caught, I got $37 in change that year. Wow. So when he lent me the money, um, I remember one day, one, one month, I was three days late for my payment just because I was lazy. He, I would always drive over and give him a check and I was lazy and he, he lit me up. I mean, he reamed me out, but it, it just, he taught me a lot. But my point in saying that is when he loaned me that money, I really thought I was going to train pro athletes in Albany, New York. I had no intention of, of uh, doing what I'm doing now. And I never had a business plan for that. I always had an incredibly strong worth ethic. And like you said, very disciplined. And I love helping people. And through my desire to help people and my willingness to work hard and be kind, um, this kind of just appeared in front of me. I've always been opportunistic and I, I saw an opportunity and I took it and I was able to kind of go with that, but it was never part of the plan. I, I didn't have a plan to, to open 14 gyms. Even when I had four or five, I didn't have a plan to open 14 gyms which I think scares some of my employees about what I may do next or try to do, but we'll see. So when did you, when did you make that decision to, you know, I'm going to scale this. Um, oh yeah. Scale this because sure. it, again, that's not easy to do. Absolutely. So the gentleman I referred to earlier, Ned Berkowitz, he'd been, he was one of my personal train clients. He's actually one of our members up in Queensbury. Yeah. I know um, who he is. Yeah, I know. I figured you might know Ned. He, uh, He's a great guy. His, uh, his kids went to Albany Academy. I trained yeah. his son, Mike, great football player. I trained him all through high school, college, went to Hobart, was a great tight end. Um, I trained him and I trained Ned and Roberta, his mother as well. But uh, around that time, I decided, you know what? Like my wife was a principal um, at a local charter school, wasn't very happy with her current profession. 
I said, listen, like this was in July, August. I said, take, just take the year off. We'll figure this out. Just come with me. We have enough saved up. Just help me promote the business. I had just brought my sister in to handle the bookkeeping because mind you, yeah, mind you, before this, I was doing the billing, the bookkeeping, the cleaning, everything with the business. I did every little thing with the business for a few years. I did. I did every little thing that had to do with it. So when I brought my sister in to do the billing, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I quickly learned that when you bring in a smart, intelligent, doesn't hurt to be good looking young woman to do your collecting, people are very willing <laughs> to pay them more so than me. So I quickly learned that. But I remember being relieved at that. I freed up time, which is huge. There's nothing more valuable than your time. Um, my wife came in and did a lot of marketing for us. I went all in on the metabolic program. I, I hired a couple of key employees who are still with me today. And, and we really started rocking and rolling. And that was probably about 2013 that mm -hmm. that happened. Um, and, and about 10 years ago. So it didn't. It didn't take, it took a few years for me to get to that yeah, point. Well, it always does. I mean, there's one, there's, um, you know, one thing that I've learned about um, entrepreneurs is that they will outwork. And that was, I, 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 I knew that was my secret weapon, you know, oh, yeah. trying to get through medical school, trying to get in, trying to get through my surgical training because the training was so competitive and to get into plastics. And I, I, I just said, I, I, I wasn't smarter than everybody, but I, I knew I could outwork them. And I hear this over and over from the other thing I hear about entrepreneurs is that, you know, they're, they're optimists and um, I'm the eternal optimist. You know, people can treat me, treat me poorly. And I'm always going to just think that, you know what, I'm, you know, whatever I, I you know, I'm happy. I wake I'm up. The same. Happy yep. <laughs> but, but the one thing about the one thing about being the eternal optimist uh, that maybe you can relate to is that we can make, you know, we can be overly optimistic and make some bad mistakes along the way. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> trusting or we, you know, yep. we believe that we're going to, you know, we're going to overcome something. I still think that the hard work somehow, you know, uh, makes up for your mistakes. Because I can tell you, I, I'm sure, and that's what I'm going to ask you. I, I mean, there have been times when we've banked on something we opened. We opened a, a Rejuva Center in Saratoga way before our time and the thing fell flat and you know, we yeah. lost a fortune, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. and we pulled out. What have what have been some big mistakes that like, you know, were financial disasters for, you know, I mean, from a yeah. business point of view. Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I can think, learn from and you'll never I, do that again. Yeah, I can think of the, the first one that jumps in my head is the first studio we opened out of market. When I say out of market for the listeners, we have studios in Albany, New York, Syracuse, New York, and Rochester, New York. So we have upstate New York kind of covered. Um, we haven't gotten to Buffalo yet, but we're getting there. But uh, I remember when we first went into Syracuse, I was a little cocky. I was feeling myself and I, I got a lease. I got, a, I, got this, I got it staffed. I had 10 classes. I had three full-time coaches and didn't do much marketing for the gym because I said, we're Metabolic Meltdown. People know who we are. And we're on Facebook. <laughs> that was, I thought that was good enough. Yeah. And I remember we opened the studio and crickets. I mean, I might've had three or four people there. Ironically, one of them who came that day, her husband is one of my best coaches in Syracuse today. So me being the op optimist, I think that alone was worth it. But I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in that gym, just taking sure. two, three years to get to a break-even standpoint compared to where we are now and the marketing team we have we have over 300 trials signed up for Glenville starting on Monday. So um, we've definitely come quite a long way, but like probably like yourself, you're an incredibly successful man. And you learn, I view that as education and, and you learn from those things and apply that new knowledge to get better. 
but that that one jumps right out to me. How did you how did you rectify turn Syracuse around? Because uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think part of me is I, I'm resilient and somewhat stubborn also, and I will not just give up on something. I will I will see it through. And candidly, just it took a lot of visits. It took a lot of belief. It took a lot of uh, instilling the product into the coaches to deliver it to the clients to build the word of mouth. And eventually, it did happen, and it did turn. And our second studio out there, I'll never forget this. I in Manlius, New York, which is a great community of people. Sure. I um, trained in Syracuse, so I, I know Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know Syracuse well. So um, in Manlius, I signed that lease, and um, literally five days later, the country shut down with COVID. Okay. <laughs> so I remember that very well. And uh, we, we we just having multiple gyms in a market though really does help the brand presence as a whole, and, and that helped us a ton. So. Um, the way I rectified that, Ed, was just going out there, being a part of it, building culture, training, um, believing in our coaches, treating them well, trying to build their confidence and their ability level and educating them. And eventually, over time, it, it did turn. Yeah, I, I mean, we all had you know curveball when, when COVID hit us, right? I mean, oh, I think everybody. Yeah. But I think you guys had it worse than anyone. The gyms. Yeah, it was, it was how, we, we closed – we closed uh, when the world closed down in March and, and the, our governor told us that in, you know, about a month we can open up. And that was mid April, May 15th, 2020 was a Friday. And to me that told me I'm opening May 15th. And the governor as of that week was saying no. And I said, screw you. Basically I'm opening back up. You know, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've dealt with I've HIV. I've dealt with, you know, and this is not fair. We did open up, but you guys had, it was a long time getting people back to gyms. And then you also had people like afraid to come back to gyms. How did you deal with all that financially? I mean, we had the PPP, whatever the PPE, whatever the money and, yeah. but, but it's, it's an awful lot to overcome it. I mean, it really shoots a hole in your business model. Right. Well, this is where a couple of things, the, the PPP loans did absolutely help us a ton during that time to get through I'll, I'll fully disclose that i'm still not entirely sure where that money came from but we were yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be paying for it yeah, i'm sure right um <laughs> we were recipients of that which definitely helped us but to your point it was a very uncertain time and similar to you you're trying to staff you're trying to plan for the future um it was hard and i remember so right when COVID happened in march i'm very um quick on my feet. And one of the things that I did on the second day, I said, we got to start filming workouts and put them on Facebook. So I filmed, we were filming four or five workouts a day before it got real bad. So we had about a month worth of content and we were able to assign coaches, a client, a bunch of clients, each coach got a bunch of clients to text message, interact with, hold accountable, make sure they were doing the workouts. Um, we did that all through COVID. We didn't get to come back to what September, I think it was for yeah. us. Yeah. So it was about six months. So um, we were able to do the parking lot workouts over the summer, I remember. So that kind of got us through. But um, honestly, it just speaks Ed, to the community and the community we have and the way we built that community and the people that believed in us and didn't want to see us fail because this really is a lot of our clients third place. There's home, there's work and there's metabolic for a lot of these people. So um, that community, we kept 66% of our clients on during that time paying full rate for that service. And when we came back in September, Ed, to be honest with you, I think people were just so sick of 
just being bottled up that in a way it was a little bit, it's our gym is social. And I mean, you've been in there. It's yeah, social. Yeah. So people were craving that interaction. So um, the working out in the mask was not fun, um, especially with a workout that's a little bit on the intense side like ours. But um, fortunately, once we came back in September, we really started to turn a corner and, and things did get better. So when would you say is a transition from there's a there's a tr transition and a lot of people don't make it from, you know, being a kind of a cook, bottle washer, everything entrepreneur to to because what you have now is a business right. back then you had a gym, you, had a, you know, you were there, you were working at, you know, if, if uh, Matt Phelps disappeared, the place would fall apart. How did you know how was that transition? And, and you know, did you you know, what did you specifically do? to get yourself to that point. I mean, I read a lot of personal and professional, you know, I don't you know professional development stuff. I never stop reading this stuff. I will, I always know there's someone, but what did you do? Because clearly, clearly you did something to allow you to scale it because that's not easy. Right. So the one word I'll use, it all starts with culture for me.